Hi everyone, it's David Hyatt here, and this is another Do One Thing Well podcast. With a bit of luck, we're going to do this every week. And think about this in terms of this is a research tool. Um, if you're into brands, into businesses, or into like world class performers who do something amazingly well, I try and look at these businesses, brands, you know, like people, and try and work out like what is their secret sauce. And, you know, and I, I, I do a research, you know, deep dive into that. And in the hope that we can go and bring some of that secret sauce to our own businesses, our own brands and our own lives. So because there's always that like product service or individual that you think, oh, my God, like, I can't believe they're that good. And, you know, they do one thing amazingly well. And, and this is just a research deep dive into that and in the hope that we can try and put some of that into our own you know, businesses and lives. So normally what I do is go and pick a product or service and, and go and do a deep dive into that. But today I'm gonna do something a little bit different and that is to look at the skill set, and, and that is like writing hooks, um, also known as headlines and subject lines, but they're essentially all the same thing. And the ability to write, the ability to go and stop people in a busy world is a, a skill that we can you know, really use right now. And Ernest Hemingway, bless him, you know, amazing writer. And, and he's probably written one of my favorite headlines of all time. And for sale, baby shoes, never worn. And this was a story... Um, competition, a six-word story competition, and obviously he won it. Um, but it has all the elements of a great headline, and we're going to go and look at this. So the we always start uh, in the same way. The structure is like um, you know we try and um, you know think about the the key takeaways at the beginning, not the end, because uh, it may be that <laughs> you don't actually get to the end. So. It's good to know actually what I found out well, you know, now. So we always try and look at the backstory. We all, um, try and do the key takeaways, what are the turning points, the strategies. Um, and you know, like, so we kind of try and unpack this thing. This is uh, um, a little bit different because there's not a person involved. So we're not really looking at a person. We're looking at a skill set. So, so that my key takeaways is something you already know. I mean, like, attention is incredibly scarce and everybody wants your attention and the demand for your attention is exponential but actually your time is spread you know too thin everywhere and so who you give or what you give your attention to is actually really really you know under pressure right now because everybody wants your attention and this is why this skill is so important is because it gets your attention but earns it and it's not this is not about clickbait this is about earning your attention and there's a positive reward at the end and so attention is scarce it's gonna get scarcer the positive thing that i learned was really like but great headlines are scarce too and that is in a way our hope that we can go and win because if everyone could write great headlines like you wouldn't be able to stand out so this is actually a positive that i learned where actually 
you know, great headlines are, you know, very, very scarce. They're few and far between. And actually, if you can learn this skill that you, your business, your brand, your personal brand, you will be able to stand out in this incredibly busy world. Um, I also look at, because uh, I think this is like a thing that people get uh, mistaken with is, what is the purpose of the headline? And and people get confused by this and they they make the mistake of trying to get the headline to do too much. And and uh, and they're always trying to sell. And my belief is actually the purpose of the headline is to actually stop you, not to sell to you. It can sell to you, but the main priority of the headline is to get you to stop in a busy world, to earn your attention and for there to be a reward, a positive reward at the end of it. Also, I look at what Pixar do, even though they're you know, obviously a film company, animation film company, but they understand the individual. They understand the person on the other side of um, you know, what their work, um, you know, who views their work. And and actually, if you think about Pixar in this way, is it almost appeals to both kids and adults, and and that's not through like that's not through accident. That is through design. Um, and then we kind of look at you know what what do all the best hooks do, and and they are things that they all do. And and actually, we go through like nine multipliers, which you go well if you did this, you probably get better at um, writing headlines. So. So that's that's my key takeaways. And you know, so if you get no further, you go, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. So you know, the the phrase the attention economy you know, was put out there, and but actually it's the lack of attention economy that we're really up against. And and if you think your your biggest you know competition is another business or another brand, well, that's actually not true. So your biggest competitor is um, people's lack of time. Their biggest competitor is they're really, really busy. And, and you're there going, wow, okay. And that's why this is such an important skill that you stop them with a positive reward and, and you suddenly go, oh my God, you're gonna earn their attention in, a, in an economy that is a, you know, a lack of attention economy. And, if we think about this, some context and, and and these figures are probably already out of date. So, you know, like, you know, like the the chances of an ad getting your attention are, you know, like very, very slim. And it has about 10 seconds of your attention at the most, at the most. So, and on all these figures are becoming less and less and less. And like for an email, it's maybe less than 1.8 seconds now. And you suddenly go, wow, you, you know, your competition isn't another brand, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. It really is the busyness of everybody. And, you know, think about this, you know, for the shelf life of a piece of direct mail, it has 0 0.6 seconds of your time where you decide whether this is for you or not for you. Does it go in the bin or does it stay in the, you know, you know, in the kitchen and you know that's that's some of the context and, and all those figures are, are being crushed so they're all less than they were a year ago and you know less than they were you know two years ago so 
So when people are sitting down to write the headline, the hook, you know, the subject line is, you know, you, most people try and get it to do too much and it can't do all that stuff. It, what it can do is it can stop you with intrigue and curiosity and you go, oh, that sounds interesting, but it can't do the whole job. And, and, and people try and cram the headline with too much stuff and, you know, and get it to do too much thing. And because they're asking it you know, to do too much, it doesn't actually do the thing they want to do in the first place. So, and if you imagine like you're, you know, you're trying to sell someone a house and, and the headline is the door. And, and the job, your job is to get them to open the door. So if you suddenly think, but most people, when they're writing the headline is they try and put all the house in and you go, no, no, no. The headline is, is just the door. And, and, and the job of the headline is to get them to open the door. So it is to stop you, not to sell to you. And I think that's the big mistake that most people are making. So it is there to get your attention in a good, positive way. This is not about clickbait. This is, there has to be a positive reward for the attention that you're going to give to this thing. And, you know, David Ogilvie, he said that, you know, five times as many people will read your headline as your body copy. And, and I think that's a really good baseline level to think about. And if you think about this is, um, you know, people do judge a book by its cover. And because in a way, that's all you have of a book is you see this thing and it either gets your attention or it doesn't. And, um, you know, Mark Manson, you know, did this book and it's a great headline. You know, the subtle art of not giving a fuck, um, a counterintuitive approach to living a good life. And, you know, incredible, right? So, I mean, he sold millions of these things and um and i'm thinking wow um and yes he had a blog so a lot of people got to know him and his voice through the blog but an awful lot of people who bought the you know the book didn't know he had a blog and you think wow okay um and he sold millions of these and it says on there like over two million but i think it's over six million and and you know, like a book lives or dies by its hook, by its headline, you know, subject line, whichever one you want to call it. And so you go, wow, you know, people do judge a book by its cover. And how do they judge it? By the, the words that are on it. And, and you know, look, and, and that one headline has sold millions and millions of books. And you think, wow, that's kind of incredible. And you go, it, it's kind of, you know, like, so what should Mark spend the most time on, like writing the book or, you know, like how many different headlines did he write in order to get to that one? I think he's, he wrote an awful lot. He probably had it as a blog piece and he knew that that title had done really, really well. So he'd already tested it. You know, how to win friends and influence people. Dale Carnegie. How to win friends and influence people. That's a great headline. And, and, and he started doing workshops and, you know, 
you know, somebody came to him and said, you should do a book. And he wasn't convinced. In fact, they just recorded him and turned his workshop into a book and, and persuaded him that this would be a good thing. He sold over 30 million books. And I would say a lot of people, a lot of people <laughs> bought that book because of this headline. People do judge a book by its cover. And it says that on this one, it's an old one, over 16 million copies sold. Well, it's now over 30. Um, and then, you know, Tim Ferriss spoke at the Do in 2008, um, you know, the four-hour work week. Uh, and that's a great headline because it's a big reframe. You suddenly go, what do you mean the four-hour work week? That's ridiculous. Um, but he sold 2.1 million sales like 2.1 million books. I mean, and, you know, Tim's like, he's a direct mail guy. So, yeah, he's in the bookshops testing the different, <clears throat> you know, headlines. <clears throat> this wasn't the first, you know, like headline. This this was, it was, it was called something completely and utterly different. And the publisher said, oh, I'm not sure about that headline, you know, the, the book title. And he went into different bookshops, put the, the cover there, and see if people picked it up. And so he tested it. And, and at that point, you know, people bought that. I would say 80 to 90% of people bought it, even though they hadn't probably heard Tim speak, you know, Tim read Tim's um, you know, blog, or you know, I don't think his podcast was even going at that point. I think 80 to 90% of people bought it because of the headline, the hook. And you're going, so that's the power of a hook. It can sell millions and millions and millions of books. And this is a little framework that I kind of think about when I'm judging you know, whether a hook or a headline is any good. And and so it, I, it's, I call it the tick, tick framework. And is it, does the headline have transformation? That's a really important ingredient of a really powerful headline. You know, does it interrupt the conversation that's already going on in someone's head? That's a really powerful uh, ingredient of a great headline. Does it invoke curiosity? You know, am I intrigued by it? Does it you know, get me to go, wow, what is this about? And is there a promise of knowledge? Like, will I will I be smarter because of this? Will I be healthier because of this? You know, will I be able to run faster because of this? And and so, what is that knowledge? You know, and is there a promise of some kind of knowledge? And that, you know, I call that the tick framework. And you know, like um, that's some something I just use. I, I mean, I haven't seen it anywhere else. I'm just going, oh, that's kind of. I think. You know, there's some really core basic ingredients of a great headline. And I think that tech framework covers most of them. Not all of them, but most of them. And so the job of the headline is really to get you to stop and want to read the first sentence. So, and the job of the first sentence is to get you to read the second. And and the job of the first paragraph is to get you to want to read the next one. And so if you think about like you know, when you're writing and it's all about hooks, like every paragraph should end with a hook. 
you suddenly go, wow. You know, so find out in the next episode of this called The Next Paragraph. It wants you, the great writers know that they have to keep you wanting to know more. So I think that's you know, a really interesting you know, framework and something to think about. So it's like nine things I thought would be helpful for you to think about in terms of how do I get better at writing you know, better hooks, better headlines, better subject lines. And, and here's some like things which might help be helpful. And so nine multipliers. And so one thing is to know the human on the other side of your piece of communication. Yeah. Um, and you've got to try and understand them. And, and I've, found this really interesting and you know when i was sort of doing research for this but what you know pixar do is kind of really interesting so there's a thing called um pcm and so it's like there's six personality types so there's thinkers persisters harmonizers imaginers rebels and promoters and so and actually when you're writing you know, like a headline, you want to try and get a little bit of all of them, if indeed possible. You know, and that's a big ask. But Pixar use this in order to, you know, like when they're coming up with characters, they want to know that, you know, what is this character about? And who is it going to appeal to? If you actually think about Pixar, it's extraordinary what they've done is like a adult is happy to watch it as as much as a kid is happy to watch it and you can't say that about most like animation films and so you know they've used this pcm you know like you know, sort of framework to you know build their characters so they can broaden their audience and i thought that was really interesting and the other thing is you know the amateur writes one headline and and if we think that actually the main thing, the reason, you know, 80% of the chance that of them actually reading what you've written is going to be all down to the one headline. So what is the main thing? The main thing is the, the hook and the headline. So what is the main thing you need to improve on? What's the main thing you need to go and spend more time on? And that is the actual hook. And this is interesting is the, the answer is, acting like a, a pro. So the, the amateur is just writing one. And so it's, it's almost like, um, you know, like you suddenly go, wow, you've only got one chance of doing a really great headline. But we all know as writers, actually you have to go and write maybe 20 or 30 different ones in order to go and go, wow, what is the one? So if that is the main thing and we're just going, hey, we'll bash this off at the end, and people do this when they're writing emails is they just spend a week researching you know, a big project and, and, and just before the launch, they'll get to the subject line and what's the subject line again? So they pay the least amount of attention to the thing that actually is perhaps the biggest reason that that email is going to succeed. So they pay the least amount of attention to the thing that is gets the the most attention from the customer. So the amateur is acting like a, a pro in as much as, you know, it's, hey, it's, it's like, a, like a sniper with one bullet. You go, 
you go, oh, okay, well, you you absolutely need to go and make sure that's the best headline you can possibly do because you only get one chance. But the pro is acting like an amateur because the pro is going, hey, I don't know which is the best one. I've written 30 headlines and, and guess what? I'm going to go and test them. I'm going to find out which is the one. And so what we want to do as writers you know, is to start acting like we don't know and go and write 30 different headlines because the main thing, the main reason it, is it will succeed is literally because of that one thing. And I remember a story about Benjamin Hardy, you know, great, great author, great speaker, really, you know, I like him a lot. And he wrote a big piece on Medium and he spent a lot of time researching it and he went out and it just, you know, it fell flat. And, and he came back to it like two or three months later and all he did was change like the headline. And he changed it to, you know, willpower doesn't work. Do this instead. Didn't change the body copy, the thousands and thousands of words he'd written. Not one of those words was changed. And he just changed the headline, the hook. And that article then suddenly got hundreds of thousands of views. And it became the title for his next book. And so... You know, so even somebody as skilled as him can go and write a headline that or a hook that just doesn't work. And so, so he went back. You know, this is what I love about this story is he went back and changed it because he knew there was something really good in what he'd written, but it didn't get anybody's attention. It didn't get anybody's attention because he'd written a not very good hook. Um, and so that was kind of really interesting. So we have to write, rewrite, and write again. The other thing that maybe you should think about is, you know, emotion really beats logic. And and if we think about it from a, a Nike versus Adidas point of view, I mean, I, I love both brands, both make great, you know, kit and, and, and boots and, and trainers, but Nike were able to communicate to another human being and get them to feel something. And Adidas, if they've been honest, um, they weren't. They were too logical. They were selling like boots on, this is the best lever. But Nike was selling, they're going, hey, you might be able to win with this. And so Nike were always you know, trying to get to the heart. And, and Adidas were trying to communicate with the head. And, and actually, no tears in the writer. No tears in the reader. I love this, you know, Robert Frost. And, and actually the end of this, uh, you know, that quote is no surprise in the writer, no surprise in the reader. And we are emotional critters. You know, we think the, you know, we think most of our decisions are made in the head, but actually, you know, the heart is where most decisions get made. And so, so Nike were able to speak to the heart and, and, and Adidas insisted on speaking to the head and Nike you know, became the biggest sports brand in the world. You know, you know, studies from a journal of advertising research said you know, people show twice as much likely to be persuaded by emotion than by facts. And so they've done the data. So I think that's pretty interesting. So when you're writing, like, you know, like emotional headlines will stop people more. 
Um, I think we make a mistake of thinking we know. And actually, if we start saying, hey, actually, we don't really know. Um, I think we're much better writers at that point. We go, I don't quite know. I might have a feeling. I, my gut tells me X. But once you start acting like you don't know, and, 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 but you test like you want to find out, that's a really interesting place to be for a writer, where you go, oh, I don't know, 100%. Every time I A-B test things, I'm always wrong. I'm literally going, oh, this one's going to absolutely do, do the best. And it doesn't. The other thing is a really brilliant tool, like for as a research tool, is Twitter. You know, it's such a fast motorway that you can go and put stuff up, you know, every hour. And you test in different variations of lines. And you can see which one gets the most reaction. Twitter is absolutely brilliant, brilliant research tool. So go and test your headlines, you know, your hooks. The other thing is there's a lot of these tools out there, which is, you know, a headline analyzer. I think you have to take them with a little bit of pinch of salt um, because they're kind of like, you know, I think they dumb down stuff a bit too much. But it's interesting. I think they're really interesting from this point of view is the yeah, headline analyzer is good because it actually gets you to spend more time thinking about the headline, the hook. That's why I think they're good. And and they've got like um, their algorithm is based on um, you know, emotional words, you know, you know create a, a, um, an emotional response. You know, so an emotional word might be admiration or agony. Then so there's four components. So emotional words and common words, common words and power words. And so and they judge the, um, you know, the headline you know, by how well you use those different sets of words. And from a writing point of view, it's just going, oh, 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 there's uncommon words. You know, that gets attention. OK, that's interesting. Power words, you know, they command attention. Things like, you know, like a bore or agony or abandon. And you go, oh, that's interesting. And then there's obviously common words, which is oh, there and but. And they build the structure of the sentence. And so it's kind of interesting from a just to understand the ingredients of a headline or a hook. I think headline analyzers kind of do a good job of getting you to think more about your, your set of words. So I think that's why they're really good. So, so it's almost, you know, like quieten your um, experience, quieten your, um, your, your ability to think that you know all the answers and, and let the eyeballs, you know, will ultimately decide. And you go, and when you A-B test, I can guarantee you this is like the one that you think will do best will probably do the least well. And so you go, so you've got to suspend, you know, your, your, your thing of going, well, I've got 10 years of experience of writing. Admit to yourself, you don't always know. Um, and, and it's fine. Um, but be really curious about the answer. And you kind of want to know. So go and test. The other thing is, you know, like, make sure that you're, like, super relevant. And I kind of love this picture, um, like, of a, a bull in a field. And so, like, I mean, if you're standing in this field, this headline is deeply, deeply relevant to you. Don't cross this field unless you can do it in 9.9 .9 seconds. The bull can do it in 10. And, and I kind of love that <laughs> because you are very captive 
if you're in that field reading that headline and that bull is staring at you so so i i guess the the question for you is like how can you be relevant and and think about when you're writing something you go is this relevant to them the other sort of multiplier i think is telling something they don't know but importantly want to find out and this sort of comes to really this is the best writers really i think are researchers so they find the gold because they keep on digging and and if you can release that gold and and you tell them something they don't know but find really super fascinating then you are going to get their attention you just are and I love this old ad, VW ad, you know, after we paint the car, we paint the paint. And so, you know, this headline came from a re like a research trip. The copywriter went and, you know, went to the factory and, and he discovered this through research. And so I think like go and use research, tell them something they don't know, but want to find out. That's a really, really important skill set for you if you want to go and write great hooks and great headlines. And then number seven is, you know, like you want to surprise your, your community, your audience. And, and, but it's also to understand that surprise is a skill. If you think about comedians and how they tell a joke is there's always a surprise at the end. You can't guess the ending and, and suddenly you go, that's the surprise element. But it is a skill. Comedians spend years and years and years like doing gig after gig in order to go and get that surprise just right. And if you think about Hollywood films, like, you know, like there's that turning point after about 22 minutes and it's always deeply, deeply surprising. So your ability to surprise someone is a skill that you're going to have to go and learn. So, so think about it like this. And like when you, you're doing a hook or a headline, it's like bat, bat, boom. And there has to be like a reversal at the end. And if you think about, you know, the best jokes, there's always a reversal at the end. You think, oh, that's kind of interesting. And look at this headline from The Economist of all places. Faster, cheaper, sicker. Bat, bat, boom. And so, you know, like... So know, understand that actually this surprise element is something you're going to have to go and work on. Go and study comedians. How do they tell that joke? What, is, what was that punchline? And you'll probably find it, you know, like they take you down one path and then the punchline takes you completely to another path. It's a surprise. And then number eight, you know, find the truth. And like when you have the ability to go and tell somebody an insight that you've learned or, you know, you know to be true. And, and, and the thing is, it might be your truth. And this is interesting, you know, like especially for people working perhaps on their own personal brand is what is most personal is most general. What is most personal to you is most general. And so if you're happy to go and share something um, that is very personal to you, uh, people will be interested in that. That's your your particular take on, on this world, this moment in that world. And so that's kind of really interesting. So, 
And this is the truth is when you write in hooks and headlines is you know, everyone has a voice and, and you will, you know, if you are willing to share that voice is no one else can be you. But the, the, the problem that most people find when they're sort of sitting down and writing uh, things is they're not willing to what I call release the handbrake. You know, are you willing to be you? You know, are you willing to let the voice escape from you? Because the voice is always in there. Are you willing to let it out? And and I love that phrase, you know, what is most personal is most general. So you think, you know, like I have this worry. Guess what? A lot of other people have this worry. And when you're able to, you know, like say that truth is you will get people's attention because they know it's true too. And then lastly, sort of in terms of multiplier is you got to choose your role models carefully. And, and if you think about like all these people out there that you look at right now, like the, the reason they are doing better than you is currently they are better than you. And, and you suddenly go, yeah, they are. They actually, they've learned the craft. They've learned the skill. They put the hours in. And, and you suddenly go, are you willing to go and learn the skill? Are you willing to go and learn um, and, and relearn? And, and are you willing to be not very good and then a bit better and then a bit better? And then one day, okay. One day, like, you know, oh, I'm pretty good. You know, very good. You know, and then, wow. You know, great. Do you mean, so are you willing to do all that stuff? The reason they're out there doing better than you is currently they are better than you and they've done the work so what you can do is go and learn from them like crazy um like but learn not just what they do really well but learn what they do not that well and you go why do they you know why do they make that mistake oh okay that was interesting and if you are willing to go and role model you've got to choose your role models really really carefully they, they have to be able to do something you currently do not. And they do it at such a high level that one day, if you, if you apply yourself, you can get there too. Because at some point, the student literally becomes better than the master. And, and if you are willing to put the hours in, you will become better than them. And, you know, Malcolm Gladwell said this, talent is the ability to practice. But but also, I think within this, it's an important thing to think about is not just, you know, like practice, practice, practice. It's also deliberate practice and try and get feedback. Try and, you know, get a mentor. Try and, like, ask yourself, why did that hook work so well? That was a surprise. You know, so you've got to have an essence of, you know, you know yes, you're going to do the practice. But you have to get into a feedback loop and, and, and get some feedback from someone. And you go, hey, you know, why do you think this headline worked? Why do you think this hook worked? Why do you think this one literally got no attention whatsoever? Um, so that's important. The, but normally in the Do One Thing Well podcast is we kind of look at you know, the numbers on you know, Facebook and Instagram and, and YouTube and Twitter and TikTok and and you think oh maybe 
on Instagram is all about photos, you go, hooks work amazing on every platform. Great writing works amazingly well on, you know, on Instagram. You know, a great hook works on TikTok. A great hook works on Twitter, like on Facebook, on YouTube. Like, you know, all those thumbnails, they're all hooks. So a hook works on every platform. So this skill is like a skill for any platform that you want to go and focus on. And in also in the conclusion is, and this is no surprise every time we how I do it, is like there are many component parts to doing one thing well. And if you want to go and write a, a great hook, it's about, you know, do you understand language? Do you understand curiosity? Do you understand the human being? Do you understand, you know, how to you know, tell a joke? Do you understand surprise? Do you understand, you know, all these things? Do you understand that, you know, you've got to go and test and retest? You know, do you understand all of those things? Do you understand you can't just write one? You maybe have to write a hundred lines in order to get one. And, and so you suddenly go, oh, like when you see these people do incredibly well as writers, as hooks or headlines or uh, authors, you know, they really have, you know, like gone and tested. You know, this is, you know, their success is never, never like an accident. You know, Mark Munson was writing a blog for years. Um, and he probably already tested that, uh, his his line, his hook, you know, like, and he just, he knew that that would sell a lot of books because he'd already got the data. So it turns out, like, as always, like the thing to do in one thing well is there are many, many aspects to doing one thing well. And, and writing hooks is just the same as well. Okay, hope that that was slightly different this week, um, but I just thought it might be interesting, you know, for everybody. And you know, I thank you for your time. I'm gonna see you next week, and you know, go and check out the Hyatt Denim Company. We do one thing well: we make one of the best pairs of jeans in the world. Go and check us out. Okay, I thank you for your time, and take care.